This presentation has been created to empower, engage, evolve, and equip academic professionals and staff members of all levels personally and professionally to demonstrate cultural responsive leadership. Academic professionals has valuable intellectual contributions to ensure that this generation of learners and future generations gain the social and instructional skills for academic professionals and students to strive in a trauma-informed practice space in a trauma-sensitive learning environment to promote student achievement culture that will cultivate leaders to thrive in society. Greetings, I am Teresa W. Gamble, a doctoral candidate in the Education Leadership Program at North Central University. My specialization is in trauma-informed practices and social-emotional learning. My goal is to create safe social spaces in schools for academic professionals at all levels and the students they selflessly serve to become innovative and creative, productive individuals in society. My why as a critical dynamic pedagogy expert is to offer professional development for educators and administrators by utilizing the ecologies of knowing, that is self, organization, and community, where we advocate the ways of learning through relationships and context is the place, are held in a gracious, safe space that liberates the ancient, which is our past, to provide effective best practices in the present and construct new future strategies of engaged dynamic learning. Ethics of care and trauma-sensitive educational environment are connected through our social policy debates of school improvement and student achievement. According to care theorists, Ethics of care is defined as care ethics should legitimately lead us to contemplate what we value in our public lives, include social policy actions and decisions. Toronto, a care ethics researcher, identified four elements of care, attentiveness, responsibility, competence, and responsiveness. Attentiveness is when we recognize the needs of others. Responsibility is what people should do for each other than the latter. Competence relates to the quality of care of how we work and responsiveness is a different way to understand the needs of others by considering the other's position as it is being expressed. These elements of care are interwoven in trauma-sensitive educational environments when academic professionals are attentive to their students when they're experiencing traumatic symptoms that are physical, behavioral, emotional, and cognitive in the classroom. Also, academic professionals take responsibility by inquiring the knowledge through participating in school-based trauma treatment teams with collateral connections to help holistically support the students that they serve. Last, academic professionals' responsiveness to trauma-affected students by supporting them through the therapeutic process of their mental health well-being. In order for academic professionals to facilitate in this manner, they must assess and reflect their own traumatic signs and symptoms through the usage of self-management. 
by embracing the five social emotional competencies of SEL, social emotional learning, which consists of self-awareness, self-management that involves emotional regulation, social awareness, your environment within and around you and your school, relationships that include social skills, how we approach, how we communicate with each other, and responsible decision-making in their personal lives out of school. In the same fashion, academic professionals are bringing themselves to the classroom every day, modeling the same social, emotional, learning, behavioral concepts toward their students will support the development of the students' emotional and academic skills that will increase student achievement and improvement that can impact our social policies. American Institute for Research states that providing a mechanism for teachers to reflect on their own social and emotional competencies will impact their capability and implementation of practice that will support social emotional learning in the classroom. This self-reflective feedback will help academic professionals to utilize this data, this information, this framework for their professional development plans for growth and their performance evaluations in the classroom. Intersectionality is a theoretical framework as individuals assess their own privileges and disadvantages where the answers will make them unique. Such elements for consideration with intersectionality are race, ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, and sexuality, which includes explicit awareness, recognition of power, oppression, inequality, and social exclusion. Janaski revealed that 60 million people have a disability that affects their life functioning that has created systemic health and social inequities, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Social justice is comprised of the value of justice, which is space, power, sharing, and insight. Ethics of care, the value of care, focus on the whole person by understanding their past, their present, and their future. The challenge that has been identified by care theorists is the question of how do we accommodate the need for care in all stages of decision-making in our society. Brown explains that we should apply equity, diversity, and inclusion concepts as an active recognition of our differences as individuals, challenges, and opportunities based on our starting point. However, everyone's starting point is different. So we have to also keep that in consideration because where you start is not where I started. These will support the ethics of care by providing accommodations based on one's uniqueness or individual needs or both. For example, ableism in healthcare, where a person of a disabled disability needs to make sure they have a competent healthcare professional to assess their needs. Learning environments, the classrooms must be safe and inviting for the students to be able to thrive and reach student achievement. And in the workplace, where we have a cultural friendly environment that is not hostile or toxic, according to the World Health Organization. 
Meanwhile, the social justice framework to treat everyone equally would not have produced the same results with space, power sharing, and insight to advocate social policies in society. The World Health Organization states that disability is a human rights issue and that it intersects with other forms of discrimination based on age and gender that is disruptive to the practice of continuity care for human lives due to direct decisions being made in the area of social policy. Social determinants are identical to the intersectionality theoretical framework that I mentioned earlier, where the value of care and justice must share and collectively and collaboratively work together in power, space, and insight for a collective community cultural change. The Center for Disease and Control with the United States government conducted an adolescence behavior experience survey between January and June of 2021. So and they surveyed 10 topics, but we're going to talk about the top four, which is unintentional injuries, tobacco use, mental health, and alcohol and drug use. The unintentional injuries and violence really resonated for students who did not wear seatbelts when they were driving or they were texting and driving at the same time, which is reckless behavior that will contribute to them having traumatic experiences. Next, with the mental health, those individuals, they suffer with increase in alcoholism. They usually felt sad. Um, 44% of them were sad. 20% of them considered attempted suicide. And then 31% mental health was not as great. They suffered with stress, anxiety, and depression. Now, as far as the unintentional injuries, the 34% then wear seatbelts, 32% text or email while they was driving, 20% witnessed someone getting physically attacked, 16 actually got 16% actually got in a fight, and 14% were bullied online electronically, 13% bullied in school, and 11% rode with someone who was intoxicated. Then the alcohol and drug use increased where 38% got alcohol from someone else, 25% used marijuana, and 13% were currently using marijuana. The tobacco use where electronic vapor products was 36%, but 55% of the students, which is a good number, were trying to get off all tobacco products which I figured stem from the COVID-19 pandemic because of individuals, one of the symptoms was difficulty in breathing. The next four topics that was addressed in the survey was sexual behaviors, dietary behaviors, physical activity, and obesity and weight. So the sexual intercourse activity was um, very active at 18%. 54% wore condoms, that's our male students. 33% took um, birth control pills to prevent pregnancy. 30% um, had sexual intercourse. 22% took birth control, but they also had access to plan B at a morning period after in the event they got pregnant. 17% drank alcohol and used drugs before sexual inter- intercourse, which points to more of the traumatic experiences where they defer other activities to address those concerns. The student's dietary habits, it was more liquid and less solid food. 
some, you know, vegetable intake, but no mention of proteins. So looking at the student's diet makes a big factor. 75% of them, they drunk at least one or more times a day a bottle of water. 54% of them didn't do sport drinks. They didn't drink, 34% didn't drink milk. 34% didn't drink soda. Um, but at least 54% of them ate one or more times a day vegetables. But they didn't eat, 58% didn't do carrots. 48% didn't, did not eat green salad. Or 39% drunk fruit juice. So most of the intake was water some vegetables, but no protein for beets. So that points to that there is a food insecurity in the home when they do not have access to all four basic food groups. The students' physical activity, most of their 81% stated that they spent three hours or more in front of screen times. That means learning online, probably gaming, probably talking with their friends and family through social media. 47% played at least one team sport. 47% attended physical education classes. And then 43% um, worked on strengthening and toning their muscles three or more days a week because of the social unrest, the crime, the violence, and the bullying to be able to defend and protect themselves without using a weapon, we hope. Obesity, overweight, and weight control. 49% of the adolescents, they tried to lose weight. 35% 35% described themselves as slightly being overweight, and 20% of them were overweight. The last three questions on this survey from the Center of Disease and Control was the impact the pandemic made, the healthcare and telemedicine accessibility, and other topics that the CDC asked the adolescents. The impacts during the COVID-19 that 66% strongly agreed or agreed that doing homework was difficult. Parents and other adults in the home administered verbal abuse to either curse, insult, or put them down. That was at 55%. Um, 28% never was able to spend time with family, friends, or other groups. 23% they went hungry because there wasn't enough food in the home. 14% drank more alcohol. And then 11% parents and other adults in the home uh, instituted physical abuse through hitting, beating, or being kicked. Um, so that is another reason, you know, as ap- academic professionals, we have to pay attention to physical abuse, the verbal abuse, hunger, as well as their intake of alcohol, which you can pretty much smell, or they will camouflage in soda bottles. So then the healthcare and telemedicine access during the um, this period, 68% was focused on dental care, 25% on with their primary care physicians for preventative health. But what was very low was the mental health care for counseling for alcohol and drug uses that did increase during this period was only 8.5%. So as academic professionals, along with our involvement in the trauma-sensitive teams at school, we need to promote and create messaging that mental health is part of health care and it's a, not a stigma, stigmatism towards the student who seeks it and needs it. The other topics we'll address in this survey was 98% of the students speak English well, 86% of the adolescents said that parents knew where they were going at all times, 53% of the students had sunburns for 12 more hours. 12 hours or more, which kind of concerning. That means the students spend a lot of time outside. 
during the pandemic and they're not cannot relate to extracurriculum activities it could be due to homelessness or getting away from verbal and physical abuse in the home or seeking for food due to food insecurities 46 percent of the adolescents um, felt close to people at school 35 percent of them felt they were treated badly or unfairly at school because of race or ethnicity which that's the area we why it's even more important social emotional learning is needed with diversity equity and inclusion and to include racism that's why it's important and then 23 percent of the students got eight hours or more sleep during the school night but that means the rest of our students are not sleeping because of other traumatic experiences they're encountering in the home in their community or in their neighborhood the justification of significance of trauma-informed educational practices with integrating diversity, equity, and inclusion, and social-emotional learning competencies is the equity gap. That is the justification for the significance of trauma-informed educational practices with these competencies of diversity, equity, inclusion, and social-emotional learning. Social-emotional learning competencies does not address racism. It is very detrimental for students of color. Academic professionals assuming that diversity, equity, and inclusion addresses the equity account is mistaken. Unfortunately, diversity, equity, and inclusion competencies exclude emotional intelligence, social emotional learning, social awareness, mental health that promotes the ideology of one size fits all or colorblindness. Just because you don't have a particular problem, that doesn't mean I have it and vice versa. And ignoring it and whitewashing it does not make the problem or the issue go away. That's why race and racism needs to be acknowledged, not just how we look different physically. The integration of intersectionality theoretical framework with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and social-emotional learning competencies will help academic professionals at all levels to assess and reflect on their own unique privileges when it comes to equity and access for students of color. Recently, the state of Florida has polarized political perspectives of diversity, equity, and social-emotional learning competencies with critical relationships critical race theory, which is legislation called Stop Woke Act. This critical race theory is not instructed in K-12 classrooms. It's only in collegiate law programs that are selected by college students, according to the state of Florida website. Academic professionals are public servants. They are designated in their states, and they take an oath to uphold and serve students according to the federal law for Title 42 that grants students access to free public education. Since the multiple pandemics that began from COVID-19, education has become a public health crisis that has placed social awareness of mental health matters that has every person questioned their moral, ethics, and belief system as human beings. Privileged classes and allies are struggling with assessing and reflecting on ancestry inequitable patterns and practices against social classes based on perspectives that is politically polarized. Our social policy includes ethics of care and ethics of justice in our decision-making processes. 
The social unrest from the murder of George Floyd during the pandemic forced the entire world to assess and reflect on their corporate social responsibility policies externally with the public. Yet employees began challenging the corporate culture internally to ensure what was being publicly said is applied internally within the organization. Thus, diversity, equity, and inclusion was on the forefront to address such inequitable disparities. However, race and racism was excluded because the ideology that one size fit all or colorblindness should remove the stigmatization of being racist from privileged classes and their allies. Unfortunately, students and employees of color were being triggered with traumatic experiences from injustices, inequalities, lack of accessibility, underemployment, underpaid, marginalization, disenfranchised compared to privileged class students and employees in learning environments. In order to close the equity gap, we must incorporate social and emotional learning, diversity, equity, inclusion, and racism competencies with our academic professionals, first to work out their own personal perspectives and belief system of privilege and or disadvantage before attempting to approach and teach trauma-affected students in our public and private school classrooms. Thank you for listening. I look forward to continuing the conversation. This is Teresa W. Gamble, doctoral candidate in educational leadership with North Central University, specializing in trauma-informed practices and social-emotional learning.